0: You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag.
1: Oh my gosh. It's a day. It's fine. It's a day, y'all. The day started with finding out a couple of artists I'm working with on a project. Next week are unwell, and so there's a little bit more workload added in one end. Um, And this all occurred while I was on the bus to my choir rehearsal until the bus caught on fire, to (laughs) which we then had to evacuate the bus. Um, And after just a little too much um, smoke inhalation from that burning rubber, uh, decided to cancel the choir rehearsal and just head home to rest um, and questioned whether or not (laughs) we would make it to the con. But I'm glad we're here. BJ
0: BJ that's a terrible no good very bad day.
1: It was a day? It was a day. Yeah. I am but it's okay. So,
0: but I'm, I'm so happy you were not covered in like third degree burns and stuff. Too. So You know,
1: doing okay. You're, You're gonna you going to sit in the Pepsi.
2: You were <laughs> on a flaming bus. Mariah had had family strife and, and what did I do? Oh, uh, you know, just went to King's Dominion. No big deal. Like it just <laughs>
0: And you you took pictures and sent them to us all day long. I did. It was somewhat rubbing it in.
2: I did. Oh, geez. That was was not my intent. It was
1: the good karma. It was the good energy. That's what I was trying to do. I was
2: was trying to, well, and because we do a Star Trek podcast, I was trying to frame it like Admiral Lunsford was on an away mission at Planet Snoopy.
0: Welcome, dear listeners, to season two, episode one of Federation Conversations, or FedCon for short. I'm your host, Mariah Beachboard, and back for another season are my panelists, BJ Robinson and Mike Lunsford. Woohoo! If you never listened to a FedCon episode before, no worries, I'll catch you up to speed. This is where we geek out over all things Star Trek new, old, hated, loved, real, or imagined. We are also a safe space for LGBTQIA+, and as we are a member of the Great Geek Refuge Network, we do not tolerate gatekeeping. One last thing you should know before we get started, BJ Robinson is actually captain of the USS Maestro, best known for its hump day holodeck tea dances and shipwide music therapy sessions. Recently, he was in the news for causing social stir around the efficacy of eating organisms. Yes, organisms. It all started with a malfunctioning 22nd century protein resequencer that produced over 10 pounds of 21st century style thick cut, honey glazed, hickory smoked bacon in Captain Robinson's ready room while the captain was off ship during a second contact mission. The smell of the bacon became so overwhelming, the crew went to investigate. Among them was a new cadet, GR, one of Starfleet's first Viravore recruits. GR was so distraught at the sight of 10 pounds of cooked pork that GR nearly seized up from a gelatinous trophozyte to a hardened cyst. This sparked outrage from GR's home planet, Ew which also happened to be the newest member of the United Federation of Planets. The incident went on to fuel protests from and awareness of the galactic OETO movement, Organisms for the Ethical Treatment of Organisms. Captain Robinson has since issued a personal apology to GR, the planet of EW, and to all virivores throughout the galaxy. The protein resequencer has also been confiscated, and the issue seems resolved although some are questioning Captain Robinson's choice to install a 21st century bacon toaster in its place.
1: I I assure there will be no, um, um, well, there'll still be bacon, but hopefully there will be no further incidents because of the bacon, um, because organisms deserve the love of being devoured as well. Thank you. No no questions at this time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the best.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was fun to, to, you know, I had to kind of backtrack a little of like, why would someone get offended about bacon? And then I tried to think of like, well, are there organisms that don't eat organisms out there? You know, because it's like everything's an organism and realized, oh, there is a new discovery of a uh, thing that the virovores that are, uh, they eat viruses. And so I thought perhaps by the, the time we're set in our real Trekverse, uh, they have evolved to to be a known identified uh, part of the, the universe and their own version of PETA, basically
2: love that i'm just wondering if now that they've they've uh, fully established in Canon that um, the food replicators use waste and recycle it and reorganize it if that actually counts as eating meat or any organism because it 's technically waste. And that's I mean, is that still an organism? Like, but when you reorganize it, it, does that make it an organism again? Like it's But
0: was it always waste?
1: Because this is a food. um, This is a protein resequencer.
2: Oh, yeah. No. But yeah, what what you created was food. I'm saying like going forward, if you were like, all right, so I'll just right. Yeah. If you're like, well, what if I just use like um, food replicated bacon, which obviously is not going to taste as good.
1: That's why I didn't have the replicator and I wanted to yeah. keep the fruit rese- the protein resequencer. I yeah. needed real bacon. Yeah, <laughs> I get it.
2: I get it. That would the be psych- worth time traveling for.
0: <laughs> as for Admiral Mike Lunsford, he is now auditing all captain's logs from the last year as punishment for his time incursion reported thusly on the primetime federal news network. Attempting time travel, a la Kirk and Spock and Wales, it turns out his purpose was to bring back the eradicated sand flea of Ocean City, Maryland, in order to breed them and dump them at the private beach outside his arch-nemesis' home. However, this unsanctioned trip caused ripple effects, including a time paradox in which he became his own great-great-grandfather. No one knows how to quite fix it, so Admiral Lunsford has to live with awkward family reunions unrelated Admiral Lunsford's waffle account at Starfleet Academy has been suspended indefinitely
2: they can take the waffles from the man but the waffle in my heart will remain forever
1: he's <laughs> version of Celine Dion's my heart exactly. will
2: go on <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but at what right. cost what cost was this sand flea incursion that I created
0: See, I want you. you to tell us more at some point about your arch nemesis, who is your, your admiral arch nemesis.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a story for another day, because let me tell you, we started off as best friends, like, you know, like Academy cadets do. And. Lo and behold, he got his captaincy like a day before I got mine. And it turned out I actually would have gotten mine first, but they lost the paperwork, which is ridiculous because it's the 24th century for crying out loud and there is no paperwork. That was the excuse that they gave me. And of course, he rubs it in my face. Technically, I have tenure over you because I've been a captain longer. Hey, remember when I got my admiralty before you did? And I'm like, yes, I do remember that because you lied, you cheated, you steal, and then you slept with the executive officer who gave it to you. So I don't really feel like this is a fair comparison of who the better officer is and we continue to go on back and forth like that what he'll do is he'll nab at me right so he'll say like ocean city is a horrible place and i'm like you shut your mouth you shut your blasphemous mouth right now i was like it's tacky it's a little white trash but it's still a beautiful place and you will not besmirch the good name of ocean city maryland and the delmarva peninsula however he makes fun of the way they talk he makes fun of the baltimore accent he's like what does even down the ocean mean and i'm like sir how dare you? So I figured the best way to get back at him was to show him what being down the ocean was like by bringing the sand fleas so that he could see them and experience them and get the itching and the scratching that comes from being on the beach because he had to have his beachfront property for his giant mansion, which makes zero sense because there's no money in the future. So how did he even get this in the first place? Oh, yeah. Institutional wealth a la Picard. How's that? It's garbage is what I tell you.
0: I thought this was a story for another time.
2: Well, I'm heated, obviously. I've read a lot of Captain's Logs, and I don't have any waffles. It's been a rough time, okay?
1: Oh, my god, He ain't wrong,
2: and he ain't wrong.
1: <laughs> Spit and prosper, Admiral Lunsford, sir.
2: <laughs> Spit and prosper. <laughs> and there's our next FedCon t-shirt idea. <laughs> <laughs> just just spock on a mic like just just dropping sick beats just spitting prosper (laughs) y'all
0: i can't even oh man all right i my dear listeners am a crotchety jaded professor at starfleet academy truthfully i was forced into academia after i became a problem child for my oppressors i mean superiors because of my brilliance They did not want to completely oust me from Starfleet. And so now I teach students how not to die in space. While my hard, churlish exterior gives off the impression that I hate the universe and everybody in it, I am actually deliriously happy to be teaching. And I deeply care about my students. That being said, I am and always have been a thorn in all of my superior sides. For example, much to the chagrin of the Academy president, San Francisco Tribune recently announced the following on its front page. A local woman was found creating a scene in local restaurant Cisco's Creole Kitchen, where she reportedly screamed at a bunch of students. When the students were asked why they think she accosted them in public, they said, We failed a practical, and she uh, shouted, Maybe we'd do better if she humiliated us publicly. When asked if they were in fact humiliated and therefore more likely to do better, they said, considering our double date was ruined and we've lost all chances at second dates, the answer is yes. In fact, we'll do anything so we don't have to see that crazed look in her eyes ever again.
2: And this is this is just added to this assignment I have at Starfleet Academy because I'll be in the middle of auditing these captain's logs and you'll <laughs> storm into my office screaming and ranting about your, about your students. And frankly, at first it was a distraction, but now it's a welcome distraction because some of these, some of these logs, some of them are rough, man. Some of them are real bad.
0: I've got ideas. All right. All right. We got it. We got to move on. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Today, my lovelies, we're going to talk about what we watched over the last year. We'll talk about Prodigy. We'll play a trivia game and we'll share the random trekky rabbit holes we've fallen into. By the way, have you guys done that? i said so i sent my yes. uh panelists a list of <laughs> a list of homework so to speak and i forgot to ask if they've done it
2: <laughs> uh yes you, i did you're talking you're talking to us
0: <laughs> okay awesome all right cool and the, <laughs> and the, and the
2: audience too you know it, it's the collaborative thing here audience i hope you have your homework ready
0: <laughs> um but first here's a rundown of things coming out in 2023 First, supposedly we're getting a scripted podcast series called SETI Alpha 5 sometime in early 2023. Nicholas Meyer, who wrote The Wrath of Khan, was hired to write a miniseries about our favorite evil villain, um, but that got canned. And so now he says he's going to turn it into a podcast. That's all Ooh. we know right now. He announced that in September of last year. Haven't heard anything since. Um also, supposedly, there's a, a Starfleet Academy show that's going to come out at some point once they do it, and we're still hoping for Section Thirty-One. What They've we been are
2: kicking that Starfleet Academy thing around for years, like
0: yeah, like 2018, and now they're, oh, they're thinking about it again,
2: even further back. So really? okay, so right after Star Trek Three, um, Nemo. Star Trek uh, three was directed by Leonard Nimoy. That was search for Spock for those out there who are not familiar. Um, he got to direct that one and Shatner was jealous and Shatner was like, well, this is ridiculous because um, I should be able to direct um, because they were going to let him direct. They were going to let, let Nimoy direct uh, Star Trek four as well. They started planning because um, Shatner got really, really mad and started throwing a fit and he's like, I want the exact same money as Nimoy. And on top of that, I want to be able to direct a movie. And they started coming up with contingency plans in the event that they wouldn't be able to make the money to pay Shatner to keep him happy and get him to shut up. So they were like, well, how do we create Star Trek going forward without William Shatner and without any of the original cast? So they started a Starfleet Academy concept where it was going to take all of the uh, main characters and just de-age them and start them from Starfleet Academy. Kind of like what we got with uh, the Star Trek movie that J.J. Abrams directed. Um it got kicked around for a long time. And then that ended up being the genesis for Star Trek the Next Generation, because it was the same thing. It was like, how do we do Star Trek without Shatner being like a giant Shatner about everything? So yeah, like they've that's awesome that they're finally going to do it because we've gotten we've only gotten to see bits and pieces of it. We only got to see like that much of the academy in uh JJ Abrams Star Trek movie that he did.
0: Yeah, supposedly we're getting it. They haven't said when it's going to come out. Yeah, Yeah. allegedly. What we're definitely getting this year is Picard Season 3. It's the final season that comes out February 16th. And that is the only definite release date we have thus far. Nothing else has a definite release date. Um, We're getting Discovery Season 5. It's only going to have 10 episodes, not 13. We're getting Strange New World Season 2 with that episode of the crossover with Lower Decks um, in real people form, which I am super fucking excited about and then we're getting lower deck season four um we're also getting and i'm so overly super excited about this prodigy season two and all of it is on paramount plus of course um yeah so that's that's what's coming out i think that's enough we we've never had this much magnificence to play with um that's all i have to say about that so
2: uh
0: moving on
2: a good time to be a trekkie it is it is, it is. such a yeah. good
0: time it's, it's going to be a
2: bountiful time. year yeah
0: okay so what did you guys enjoy from the trek verse during 2022 and i i don't mean like what current shows that came out in 2022 anything that you watched that was from the star trek verse um anything that you might have attended anything that had to do with star trek during 2022 uh mike
2: star trek is symbolic of a hopeful future where humanity has achieved great things by coming together. For me, it's not just the future, though, it's also the past. The shows, the movies, they're all nostalgic safety blankets for me that comfort me in times of need. When my anxiety is running wild, I turn to the original series, or uh, Next Generation. That being said, 2022 is a perfect encapsulation of what Star Trek is to me, the past and the future. In 2022, I enjoyed every minute of Star Trek Discovery, Strange New Worlds, and Prodigy, but each for different reasons. Discovery was great because it it focused this season um, on not letting vengeance consume you. We also learned that exploring galaxies in the greater universe could mean having to accept that what we think we know is completely wrong. Have an open mind. Don't be afraid to admit that you don't know everything. But above all else, that to move forward, we have to trust one another, love one another, and remain open-minded to all aspects of life. Strange New World shared a lot of similarities with Disco in that we see a diverse crew working together to achieve great things. We also see a straight, white male captain lead the unique crew with compassion, inclusivity, and exemplifying what a modern male role model can be. Captain Pike is dealing with incredible trauma from his experience with Time Crystal and seeing that awful fate he cannot change, but he doesn't turn to the outdated, strong male trope of suffering and silence, refusing to experience any emotions other than turning to anger and violence. He embraces all of it, speaks to his friends, and loves one and loved ones openly about his experiences. Prodigy, while designed to be a kids' show, an entry point for new Trek fans, ended up being the perfect spiritual embodiment of what makes Star Trek so great. A ragtag crew of kids working together and showing that the mission of Starfleet is a hopeful one to so many and that it can inspire greatness from others. To tie this up, let me talk about Star Trek's past. When I can't sleep and I'm stressed out, anxious, depressed, whatever it may be, I know I can turn on the original series, movies, um, or The Next Generation. I love these movies and episodes as a kid, and they bring me comfort now as an adult. I felt I needed to watch the original series as I hadn't seen any of the episodes since I was young, which we've cataloged a little bit of that here on this show. While some of the concepts and ideas were laughable, outlandish, even misogynistic at times, it showed me that the concept of the show was sound, that even back then it had something to say about today's world. Except the episode where Kirk decides the way to defeat the evil robots is to sex one up and blow its robot mind with his overwhelming machismo. I don't see anyone trying to stop the growing threat of AI taking over art, literature, and creative endeavors by kissing it really passionately. But maybe we should. Thank you.
0: That's the way to do it. I'm, I'm... That'll, sh-
2: that'll show those bots.
1: <laughs> see, at, at closest, you know, Austin Powers tried it. but Oh, yeah. You know, but those also weren't very artful bots. They were more harmful bots.
0: All right, BJ, 2022.
1: So I digested a lot of Star Trek in 2022. And the overall thing about it for me is that I had not realized how long it had been since I was so enraptured with something sci-fi fantasy. It's been years. And I think... I'm not even sure what the last thing was that really kind of got me. Um, you know, Musicals have gotten me every once in a while and, and there's certain music that certainly just like speaks to me all the time, but between, well, just everything from the second half of Disco 4 to Picard 2 um, to watching all of Lower Decks uh, and Prodigy and all of the short tracks, um, I purposely took the day off from all of my work for Star Trek Day and just sat with three different YouTube live feeds up on three different devices, watching as much content as I could. Um, I haven't been so kid in a candy store about anything in in a really long time. Gonna hold it together. (laughs) Um... It was just really nice, you know, to have something that was kind of solid joy for a year. As well as something that, I mean, it spoke to so many things that I just love about, you know, constantly thinking about what ifs out there. All of the obsessing over the music and the scoring, uh, which it's like, if you haven't, go through all of our previous episodes of FedCon uh, and, and you'll hear all about it. Just seeing myself so much in a franchise is really wild in so many characters in 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 every show so it's it, it really was just a, a great year um for all the joy and the love and just the feeling of belonging that i got from star
2: trek this past year
0: you made me tear up so
2: yeah it's nice to see not even nice. Nice is the wrong word. That makes it sound like, oh, that's cute. No, it's it's empowering to see. I'm confident enough in my own sexuality to admit that I have a man crush on Captain Pike so hard, but not even like in a, in any sort of sexual way in the way that like, this is the man that I wish I was. This guy is is confident. He's like open about his emotions, but he's also still a badass. And like, that's so contrary to everything that I was taught as a child. Seeing these amazing characters, these amazing heroes admit that they're fallible, admit to people that care they care about in their in their crew, in their family, in the ones that they love, exactly what's going on with them and not pulling this like, I don't want to talk about it. Feelings are bad and should be hated. Like I, I not to the degree that you do, BJ, obviously, because like, you know, there's plenty of white male representation in Star Trek, but like seeing it done right meant a lot to me. And it meant a lot to me that like they care enough to actually do it. And like, they know they're going to catch flack from people. Whoa, these people in Discovery and and new Stranger Worlds, they cry too much. Like, cool. We don't really care what you think because this is what people should be. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. Like, bravo for saying what you did, so.
0: It's amazing that we have this beautiful, you know, what has moved you so much, BJ, all year long. It's even more magnificent that it's in a franchise that is influential. That's the really important thing, you know, when you have a franchise and you're making a ton of money in it to take on the responsibility of doing it correctly is not an easy choice, but they made that choice and it makes it so much more likely that other franchises will feel uh, less risky in doing it. Um, So I'm, I'm really hoping that that spreads to other franchises. We'll see. As far as what I enjoyed uh, from the track first during 2022, um, all the things that y'all said, I cried, uh, I think, in every new franchise or every new series, even Prodigy, which I waited a really long time to watch that um, because I was uh, snobbish towards the fact that it was partnered with Nickelodeon. But holy shit, I think it's one of my favorite shows now. And I'm really excited about well, we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but I'm really excited about the marketing to kids because I sure as hell failed at marketing the show to my own kids um, which is kind of uh, something I'm going to be grieved about for years to come. Like I failed as a parent in, in that. But the other thing, and this is going to sound really cheesy and like self-adulation, but I've always wanted to do a podcast and I've always wanted to do a podcast that I was excited about, you know? Um, so being able to experience geeking out in this format about this franchise has been, I think, uh, the best part of this first for me. Yeah, because not only do I get to watch the the material, but I also get to revel in it with friends. And I don't have a lot of friends in real world that understands um, that pretty girls can be nerds, too. So whenever I say I have a Star Trek podcast, they're like, what? You don't look like somebody who likes Star Trek. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? So thank you for helping me create a space where we can do this. And uh, that's it. That's my recap of Trekverse 2022.
1: It was a good year.
2: It was. It was a very good year. <laughs> Here's to 2023.
0: All right. Now, listeners, I asked the panelists to fall into a rabbit hole deliberately, find some weird something or other about Star Trek um, to delve into. And the reason I thought of this is I in preparing for the alter ego intro, I decided I needed to research what kind of news networks they had in Star Trek at any time. And it was a very, very short rabbit hole. It was more like a little divot instead of a hole because there were only two networks that existed, according to Memory Alpha, which is an awesome place to do all sorts of research about Star Trek. The first uh, news broadcasting agency was mentioned in Lower Decks. And it was the Federation News Network, and that's where they announced the whole Captain Freeman scandal, and um, where you got the A story of that episode, while we got to watch the B story and all of our favorite characters' shenanigans. And then in Star Trek Generations, you have a brief interview being conducted of that that dude who played Cameron and Ferris Bueller's Day Off.
1: <laughs> 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 I
2: don't that even know. What it's...
0: Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I will. However, I will never remember his name. I will always know him as the dude who played Cameron.
2: I mean, yeah, he's always Cameron. But yeah, he was uh, John, Captain John Harriman on the USS Enterprise B.
0: Yeah, so that dude,
2: um,
0: he was being interviewed by EBS Terra News, and it exists in 2020 or 2293, according to Memory Alpha. Anyway, if you want an EBS News Broadcasting Service patch, it's on auction right now in L.A. Merry Christmas. That's my rabbit hole. (laughs)
1: BJ. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, similar to to my uh, intro, you know, I, I as I was saying before, I was like trying to figure things out. Um, knew it was going to be about bacon, but then tried to figure out how, how someone can be offended about bacon. Obviously there's lots of reasons to be offended, but I tried to figure out what's a, a 24th century way to be offended about bacon, and, and that was to have life forms that are actively against the idea of eating anything else that's a a living organism um, of sorts. And so I tried to think about this virovore, which again, really neat is that recent uh, news has talked about how scientists have discovered this um, type of living thing, this type of organism that can feed off of viruses um, to to replenish itself. Um, So it got me thinking about just different life forms in the known Trek-verse. Um, And the first question I came to in my own head was just like, well, how many different life forms there are? Uh, And then I kind of even had to take a beat and figure out, well, what do I even mean when I say how many different life forms? Am I talking about just any kind of life or am I talking about known identified living alien races? Um, And so so that was kind of where I I started to to dive um, into two schools of thought. Well, I guess the the simpler, smaller school of thought was just really again on like life forms, and so the question on how many different known life forms are there um, at least within the Trekverse, uh, and you know getting all of my great stuff from things like fandom.com. Um, there are uh, said to be known uh, to be thirteen uh, higher types or main types of life forms uh, in the Trek universe, from artificial life forms, biometric life forms, carbon-based life forms, obviously, cyborgs. Dark matter life forms, metallic life forms, non-corporeal life forms, silicone-based life forms, based life forms, space-borne species, sporcistian life forms, viruses, and uh, xenon-based life forms. There were a few notable moments uh, about viruses, life forms at least occurring. Uh, there is a, a, you know, several episodes, in fact, I can say there's several episodes where there are different times of, you know, murder mysteries, who died from this crew in Voyager. This happens in one of them where, um, you know, someone blames it on a virus. Um, given viruses a bad rep, it actually turns out to be the doctor of the crew that ended up killing them. There's one in, uh, was it in TNG? During a scan of an Aldean chip, Crusher confirms that there are viral contaminants that killed the, the Aldenes. And so, you know, those viruses are little sneaky, tricky things. Uh, of course, we now live in a time where the viruses have been accepted into being living, known, uh, peaceful enough life forms, part of the, the Federation. And then just the other little dig in the rabbit hole was again about. Uh, life forms in terms of what exists in in the known Trekverse and how many different alien races. And that can be debated endlessly but a couple of just notable points is that in TOS, uh, in episode uh, Balance of Terror, Dr. McCoy is talking to Kirk about things um, and the uh, estimate is that there might be uh, somewhere around 3 million Earth-like planets that could support intelligent life. Of course, if you go look and look at things like in Star Trek Picard um, Picard talks about how at that point, the Federation has over 150 member worlds, plus thousands of civilizations that the Federation takes care of and that depend on the Federation. So there's still basically the big question of we don't know uh, how many full different life forms and living civilizations are out there. There are many and plenty in all forms and viruses are living things, too, um, perhaps someday to be consumed, just like bacon. Thank you. I just love scanning for life forms. Life forms. You tiny little life forms. You precious little life forms. Where are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Lunsford, rabbit hole, please.
2: Oh God, there's two of them. Um, but in. Uh, last time on FedCon, um, I talked about how I've been doing a rewatch of the original series. And um, I've mentioned many times that there's some really ridiculous things that pop up in the original series. One of them was a, an offhand comment that Captain Kirk made uh, when they're talking about... Because like in the, in the original series, they go to planets that coincidentally just happen to also have sets on the Paramount lot. So, you know, Roman planet... Cowboy planet, Greek planet, you know, these sorts of things, a gangster planet. Like, and it's just like, okay, so what is this? And they created a, there's a theory. They literally created a theory to retcon why they were doing this. And it's called Hodgkin's Law of Parallel Planetary Development. It was a biological theory first postulated by A.E. Hodgkin. The theory was that similar planets with similar environments and similar populations tend to gravitate towards similar biological developments over time. Although initially applicable only to biology, it was later expanded to include a tendency to move towards similar sociological developments as well as the sentient beings. So what does this mean? This is why the um, the prime directive is set, essentially, because they're like, well, um, we can't contact any sentient life until they've shown that they are warp capable. So how is it that everybody would be warp capable because of this theory basically? So it's one of these things that I just dug further and further and further. And I found that like all of this was their justification for why they didn't, they couldn't create societies that were different enough because they just, they didn't have the ability to do so. It was the sixties, man. And like, they, they put a lot of effort into creating this backstory. Like, they, I mean, this is, there's a whole article on memory alpha about this that really goes into really deep detail about all of this, but it, it really is just funny where it's like, Hey, these are the only sets we have available. So, um, let's just make up a theory to, to kind of cover our butts on this one. And like, it just seems like a bunch of nerds were just sitting around and they're like, well, what about this theory? And they're like, eh, yeah, okay, sure. Cool. Whatever. Let's film it. And they just kind of let it go. So I let that one go as well. Now, um, I don't know if you guys do this or not, but this might be just a Lunsford treat. But in watching any of the things that I've loved as a child, when I start going back and I'm watching them again as an adult, I want explanations for why things are happening. So for example, arguably the best Star Trek movie ever created, Star Trek II, The At The end of the movie, Mr. Spock goes down to engineering to save the ship. He goes into this chamber, takes off the casing for this thing, bunch of Energy shoots out. He reaches inside, burns his face, dies of radiation poisoning. Where the fuck was he? What was he doing? And like, I've always wanted to know exactly where he was in the ship, what he was actually doing and how it fixed things. So this rabbit hole dive that I took gave me an answer. And I was very, very excited about that. Um, And So I basically asked this question that lots of people on the internet have asked. What is that room that Spock was in? In terms of an answer... I found what appears to be at least a semi-official answer in the deck plans I found for the Enterprise. Um, Here's the text description. The forward section of O-Deck is known as main engineering. Here, the upper end of the vertical intermix shaft branches off into the horizontal warp drive feed conduit and the vertical impulse drive feed conduit. Directly adjoining this compartment is the dilithium chamber, which allows suited personnel direct access to the dilithium crystal array for alignment and replacement of, of the same during reactor shutdown. Although this chamber has a rotating airlock built into its transparent aluminum bulkhead to prevent main engineering contamination, it must not be accessed when the reactor is running. There's your answer. Mr. Spock was in the dilithium intermix chamber, opening it up and realigning the dilithium crystals so that the ship could go to warp. And it's not supposed to be, you you can't go in there when the reactor is running, which the reactor was definitely running. It was the only way to realign the warp drive. It was the only way to save the ship. And that's what happened. And I, the, 40 years, I'm 40 years old. I finally figured out the answer to this. So I probably first watched that movie when I was like six. So this has been like a 35 year quest where I was like, huh, I wonder what that thing that Spock was in. Ah, I don't know, I'll figure it out later. But like, now I have the answer and i am it's so satisfying to know exactly where he was. I like it. Yes, I do too.
0: I didn't realize there was that hole in my, uh, in my awareness.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's and right. I love that. That's I love, <laughs> I love that Star Trek nerds did enough digging to know this answer. That that's the best thing about it is like all of this. All, that's one of the things that's so great about this series and just all, all, all of the shows that they've done is occasionally there'll be some really, really bad plot holes. And like, occasionally there'll be some stuff where it's like, I don't know, we just did it because it looked cool. But like, for the most part, they have a, there's an actual explanation. And there's probably a tech manual that shows you pictures of how they came about that. So good stuff.
1: What is this thing? I mean, there's no useful purpose for there to be a bunch of choppy, crushy
0: things in the middle of a whole No, I mean, we shouldn't have to do this. It makes no logical sense.
1: Why is it here?
2: Because it's on the television well, show. forget
1: it. I'm not doing it. This episode was badly
2: written. Okay, Commander, now, as soon as the first crusher hits you.
0: Y'all, I was at Publix checking out. Um, I was there with my partner, and he said, Mariah, there's this magazine over there. And so it is chock full of happy, wonderful things, and I haven't even read it all because life. But it turns out, according to this, Deep Space Nine's 30th anniversary happened on January 3rd. Can you believe that? Yeah. That means I'm old. (laughs)
2: welcome to the club
0: um but they talk about everything and it's a really cool celebration of star trek they have like an a to z listing of different aliens and it comes from auburn's guide to the tng aliens but they the wadi for all of those who didn't see the episode of ds9 it what happens is they come into quark's bar and are gambling and they're like hey you want to play a real game and so all of our favorite characters they're like, yeah, but they get whisked away to a maze where they may or may not die. And the Wadi run around screaming. I always want to say it's catamaran, but it's not. It's a moraine. They scream a moraine at them and third chap. It's super bizarre. And fans either love it or they really, really hate it. But I wanted to read to you what this fabulous magazine said about it because it made me laugh. Are you ready? Are yes. you ready, children, for story time?
1: Let's nice have it. <laughs>
0: According to Auburn, the guy who wrote the guide to all the aliens, the Wadi are the first aliens the crew on Deep Space Nine encountered that had managed to come to them from somewhere on the other side of the wormhole. They ultimately made just one appearance in the Trek franchise, which Auburn believes is a good thing since this particular species turned out to be one of the universe's most annoying. Quote, the Wadi are the equivalent of that friend who invites you over to play board games and are all psyched to play some Catan, but when you get there, he or she announces you're playing something with a 200-page rule book and 500 pieces, and it takes 12 it takes 12 hours to play a single game. End quote. Ta-da.
2: <laughs>
0: that's the Wadi, the most anyway.
2: annoying species in Star Trek. That's <laughs> um, that's fantastic. how the fans feel about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually really liked that episode. I don't know why. You
2: know, it that's interesting. You say that though, because what I think is one of, a classic episode the Darmok episode, the Darmok and Jalada Tanagra, like when that first came out, a lot of people hated that episode. They thought it was really, really dumb. It was really stupid, but let me tell you, watch that now and tell me that that's not society because I literally can say to you, I can mention a meme. I don't even have to show you a picture of the meme and you'll know exactly what uh, emotion I'm trying to convey and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about it's that that's what's crazy about that is because that was before its time like they speak they speak in metaphors if we don't do that in our own society like i i first off that's one of the best ways to talk it's one of my favorite ways to talk is through example you know let me tell you about this story and how this relates to this thing so bj what
0: is, did you see the deep space nine episode
1: I have actually started going back through DS9 because I haven't seen all of like I've I've seen through it but I've not watched every episode. Um, it's my but favorite But I feel series. like I've seen that one. I I like I definitely remember. Um, I mean I love I love Quartz, but um I I definitely remember the the maze. Um yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna mention that yesterday was the. Because I'm with I I love the like on this day kind of random trivia stuff as well. Yesterday was the 24th anniversary of Voyager Bride of Chaotica, um, which is another one of like my favorites. They um,
2: do the yeah they do the black and white serial. Like, yeah, Oh god, that's yeah, such a good episode.
1: It's the whole black and white thing. <laughs> it's a ridiculous again like kind of adventurous uh, episode, but Janeway is this villainous woman.
2: They so Tom Paris and Harry Kim have a holodeck. Um, program that they use called Captain Photon and it's like a Buck Rogers send up basically and they talk Janeway into being part of one of the uh, holodeck scenarios and she's the bad guy she's uh, Captain Chaotica and it's it's so good
0: I'm gonna have to watch it now I I love Star Trek but I have not seen all of the episodes of every series in fact it's my favorite it's my favorite series and I haven't watched all of them which just goes to show you you don't have to be uh, fluent in everything about star trek to be a fan no. <clears throat> okay.
2: it's not a contest just watching the ones
1: that you love just watch the ones you love again and again yeah. <laughs> over and over
0: all right That's so fair. this is a really fun quiz i'm I'm going to ask you a couple of things okay i didn't know the answers to most of these so we'll see are you guys ready it's trivia bring it on <laughs> okay according to fan website x astris scientia how many times did kirk bear his torso
1: that's that's a that's a you question admiral (laughs) oh my god
2: i was not keeping a tally and i probably i probably should have kept a tally of how many times (laughs) he just bears his midriff um
0: so this is multiple choice do you want me to tell you what the yes please all right a 79 b 21 c 13 or d he never appeared fully bare-chested we just imagined it
2: well, okay. So first off, I, I can eliminate D. <laughs> I know I can eliminate D because there's the episode where it's the tricksters of Triskelion, where he is captured and he's basically like made a gladiator and no shirt. And he's got like a little collar on. So, okay. So D is definitely not the answer, right? Um, it's not 79 because there were 79 original episodes and Homeboy is not like ripping his shirt off on every single episode. So it's either B or C. As you can see, I've learned the the tricks on how to take a test. Yes. Um <laughs> Well, what was B? I think B was 21 and C is 13. Is that right? Correct. I'm going with 21.
0: It was 13. Oh, it's so close. I mean, but compared to zero or 79, I mean, that yeah. was a very narrow range between 21 and 13.
2: Man. Deduction. Good deduction. Man, uh, almost there.
0: What did Leonard Nimoy witness as a child that inspired his Vulcan salute? Um, <sighs> BJ, do you want to try this one? Sure. A. A pianist stretching his hands before a concert. B. A University of Texas fan making the hook'em horns gesture. <laughs> C, an interpreter signing for the hard of hearing. Or D, a hand gesture during a service at an Orthodox Jewish synagogue.
1: Um. Personally, I'd love to say A, but I think I'm going to go with C.
2: Okay, don't tell him the answer because I know the answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I figured you would.
2: I do know the answer for this one. Yeah.
0: Why don't you want me to tell them the answer? You already guessed.
2: I I know. I just, because I was excited. I wanted, I wanted to show that I knew the answer before you you said it. So, (laughs) so people weren't just like, oh, whatever, Mike, you're just saying that you knew the answer. No, I do know the answer. Yeah. Let's go. Mike,
1: what is the answer? No, no,
2: it's. (laughs) That basically, that's what I was looking for. Yes.
1: Wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You were
0: looking for the answer. No, you know I know
2: the answer. answer. Okay. I know. He was the looking for the toss off. So, what is oh, the, yes. what was the answer, Michael? What is it's the answer? The, it's the Orthodox Jewish uh, service ah. and when they're blessing. They're like blessing the people, and they're they're doing a prayer. They go like this, and like yeah. So I, yeah, and I've also heard his interview where he was saying that. So that's where he got that from. Wow. Nice. So there are Jews in space, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: I think that's so fabulous, though. However, at one point, well, this is we were thinking of joining the Orthodox um, Catholic Church. So this is different. But if I were to convert to the Orthodox Jewish church or synagogue, I don't know that I would be able to keep a straight face or be respectful because I wouldn't have understood that that's where he got it. (laughs) And I would have looked like an ass.
2: Oh, you guys are Star Trek fans, too. That's so cool. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's the best religion ever. (laughs) Lacas. Or yarmulkes or veils. There's Manischewitz at the back of the synagogue.
0: Live long (laughs) and prosper. So I'm assuming the phrase doesn't come from the Orthodox Jewish synagogue.
2: I don't remember. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I know that the hand symbol is, but I don't know if the phrase is. I don't think the Mm -hmm. phrase
0: is. Okay. All right. Moving on. How many times did members of the Enterprise crew specifically say to Chief Engineer Montgomery Scott, uh, Scotty, be me up? A one thirty seven, B one in the film *The Voyage Home*, C none. The exact line was never used, or a D seventy nine or once per episode. Wants to, raise your hand if you want to take the question.
1: I, I have a guess, but I don't actually have a confidence. So my my guess would be I feel like that's one of those where it's either one or none. Um, I I feel like I and again I. I don't know. I feel like perhaps I read somewhere that it was never actually said in that literal context. So that would be my guess.
0: Mike, do you agree?
2: I would have to go back and watch Star Trek four to see Cause I think he said, you said, um, beam me up Scotty.
0: No, Scotty beam me up.
2: Scotty beam me up. I feel like he said it once. I feel like he said those exact words in Star Trek Four the voyage home.
1: I, it might be that he said that because, because everyone usually says beam me up Scotty and it's like, Which... that's the one that was not said. Is that correct? Like,
2: i'm gonna go with one yeah i think that yeah. is yeah
1: i trust mike
0: <laughs> pj you should have trusted yourself the answer was none oh there ah. you go
1: what did he say in star trek four then that's gonna drive me nuts <laughs> this
0: can i is just like say for of- the
1: record i was led astray
2: by the white man
1: oh shit! wow <laughs> it wow. happened it
2: happened
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true
2: i've seen it i was here <laughs>
1: Got it
2: Just on We tried tape. to work
0: together. Oh, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, while you're looking that up, Mike, I'm gonna go on to the next one. How many times did McCoy utter, he's dead Jim? A, none, B, one, <laughs> C, 137, or D, 20? Mike is so focused right now on his research.
2: Um, Hang on, stand by. Um, I have.
0: Are you actually watching it?
2: Um, no. There's a YouTube clip. <laughs> Stand by, I'm gonna play it because he says specifically, Scotty, beam me up. Hang on, let me see if we can pick this up on the microphone.
0: <laughs> Scotty, beam me up. What? Oh, the magazine's wrong. Hold on, maybe I read the answer key wrong. No, I. Ain't. Oh shit.
1: When's the magazine published?
0: It was, it's not old. I mean, it wasn't done before, you know. Yeah. It was It was published. Well, it says display until March 9th,
2: 2023. <laughs> oh man, there's gonna be a lot of mad Star Trek nerds.
0: I know. And it's um, gonna be on this newsstands for yeah. like two more months.
2: Wrong. Well, he, they if I, BJ, your instinct of zero is correct because they never say, beam me up Scotty, which is the quote that everybody says. Right, just like Vader never says, "Luke, I am your father." Right, and um, Sulu
0: never said, "Oh my!" In the actual show. No, he said
2: it on Howard it- Stern. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I think they got it wrong the same way I was thinking it. Where it's like, yeah, like you said, the the one phrase is never said, but but mm-hmm. then, yeah, yeah, that that phrase certainly is.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't have a photographic memory, but when it comes to Star Trek movie lines, like i I'm, I'm almost there. Like. I knew I could trust you on this. I so knew the lesson, I could trust you. The lesson, is, the lesson is, can you trust the white man? No.
1: Um, but can you
2: trust Mike? Yes.
1: thumbs up. And you can't trust everything you read. Exactly. <laughs> I,
0: I don't think that's what people want us to say.
2: Out loud. <laughs> 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 Dear editors of this Star Trek magazine, how dare you?
1: I think this episode has entered a mirror-verse and we just didn't realize it. You know, that's that's what's going on. What a day.
0: All right. So how many times did McCoy say he's dead, Jim? None, one, 137, or 20?
2: 20. 20. Yeah, I'm going to go with 20.
0: You guys are good. Okay.
2: Because we work together. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> We've learned lessons from Star Trek. The teamwork is important. <laughs>
1: All right, you guys ready?
2: Yes. Yep.
0: Which Enterprise crew member was originally supposed to make out with the Uhura for TV's first interracial kiss before the honor went to Kirk? I know you know, but hang on a second. The choices, you gotta hear the choices. Mr. Sulu, Carol, the lunch lady, Mr. (laughs) Spock, (laughs) Mr. Spock or Khan.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. I,
2: just, I love that they threw Khan in there and be like, Uhura, <laughs> you cannot resist my magnet. Like, his thick Spanish accent, even though he's supposed to be an Indian Sikh, like Uhuda. Uh, like, just showing up to her bare-chested, like, right up on her, like.
1: <laughs> I also would want to be like, you know, it's like, the fun fact is, I think if you go back to uh, our first episode, um, our first or second episode, we actually cover this trivia.
2: We did. Obviously Carol the lunch lady.
1: (laughs) Hey, Ahura, come in here. I got fish sticks. (laughs) Well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got to make that canon. We got to make Carol the lunch lady a Star Trek thing. (laughs) (laughs) You want to talk? There there it is. Captain's log. Stardate 8120.7. I had a tryst with Carol the lunch lady. I'm up to my knees and baked beans.
1: I, I regret nothing.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or maybe Carol, the lunch lady is the person who has suspended your waffle account.
2: That hateful. <gasps> yeah. She said she loved me. <laughs> oh, oh, my
0: gosh, this is so much.
2: <laughs> Carol, the lunch lady. <laughs> the
0: whole reason I wanted to read that question
2: outstanding yeah
0: that was, that was so great. let's i think i think you guys would know this one what does the name uhura translate to in swahili
2: oh isn't it beloved one that's me not googling this that's a guess off the top of my head i think that's what i'm it glad
0: means. you're not cheating
2: okay no i'm not with the exception of like of, <laughs> of pulling up star trek for youtube clips <laughs> to prove that this magazine is incorrect no i'm not going to use the internet no
1: had to appeal that one had to appeal that one yeah
0: Oh, you want your choices? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, a enlightened one. B freedom. C Arlene. D Michelle.
2: What does Uhura mean? it who are meaning? Means Arlene.
1: Like what the... <laughs> wait, wait, what?
2: They translate a name.
1: They're just like <laughs> just means something else completely.
2: Like
1: oh, okay.
2: What's your name? My name is BJ. What does that mean? It means John. <laughs> what?
1: It was a secret all along. <laughs> so um enlightened one? Yeah. Enlightened yeah. one. Yeah. No,
0: it it means freedom.
1: Freedom. Oh man. I
2: feel like that's in an is that in an episode
1: that that, that actually gets.
2: I feel like it's in Strange New World episode, too, because I feel like she right? says to him, she's like, I'm Cadet Uhura. And he goes, Uhura, that means this. Because, again, Pike is just the man. Thank you. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Mm. Knows everything. I guess we're going to have to go back and rewatch season one of Strange New Worlds. Oh, yep. darn.
2: Where he's cooking is- where he's cooking dinner for everybody. Because, again, he's like this <laughs> renaissance man. He's like, hey, I'm handsome and I'm making ribs. <laughs>
0: I still can't get over the fact that he made spaghetti but like old spaghetti for his girlfriend but we're going to move on because I've already ranted about that all right so what famous character from classic British fiction inspired the captain um, the character Captain James T Kirk ready for you ready you ready for your answers yeah (laughs) this is so stupid a Oliver Twist Um, D, Benny Hill,
2: (laughs) Uh,
0: C, Sherlock Holmes, and B, Horatio Hornblower.
2: I am so proud of myself. I'm so proud of myself because as soon as you said this, I was like, I think I know it's this one. And then you said it as one of the answers. So, yes, I know this one. You are looking so smug.
0: You are so smug right
2: now. I know this you one. And I'm wearing an Enterprise shirt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. BJ, do you know it?
1: Um, my guess would be uh, he was inspired by Sherlock Holmes.
0: No, like, I, that's what I would have thought, too.
2: horatio hornblower
0: i thought they made that name up because who calls anyone hornblower
2: (laughs) right Not be
1: surprised that he's inspired by someone named hornblower (laughs)
0: just saying so horatio
1: context clue yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) indeed um horatio hornblower was in a novel he wasn't even a real person but he was a character in a novel so back in the 1930s i think i had to look it up because i was like this has to be wrong
2: well, he's he's inspired by him, but he's also inspired by um, real life um, U.S. naval commander uh, Oliver Hazard Perry in the Battle of Lake Erie. His ship was destroyed, so him and his crew got in the rowboat and rowed over to another to so the enemy ship. Hopped on board, beat the crap out of them, and took over their ship just like Kirk did in three when he stole this the Klingon uh, bird of prey.
1: <laughs> I feel like I've heard him talk about that aspect of his inspiration and interview i can remember something about an admiral perry
2: of all the things i could use my brain for it's facts like this that i i remember this but then i'll forget oh man did i lock the car before i walked away from the uh, parking lot crap i don't remember let me go back and do that but i remember that you know horatio hornblower and oliver hazard perry are inspirations for james
0: (laughs) well done oh my gosh all right one more You ready? In early incarnations of Roddenberry's script for Star Trek, what was the Enterprise named? A, the Yorktown, B, the Millennium Falcon, C, the Saratoga, or D, the Mayflower?
1: The Millennium Falcon. (laughs) He claimed it first. (laughs) (laughs) The USS
2: Badass. That's what we're going to
1: call it. Um, What were they all? What what were the others? Not not the Millennium Falcon. What were the other (laughs) options?
0: A Yorktown, C Saratoga, and D Mayflower. Are you being smug again,
1: Mike?
2: Uh I might be. <laughs> smug dance. Yes, it the is smug my smug dance. <laughs> yes. Getting smuggy with it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll do the guest dance. Uh um I would guess Saratoga.
0: That's what I want to guess too. I
1: want to guess Saratoga, because I'd like to think, please don't say
2: Mayflower. It was the Yorktown. Okay. Yeah. so
0: my first guess was saratoga I, I had to check it just now so i didn't know the answer um because that's such a, a badass name that's not a word is
1: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah no i'm right there with you like oh i like that the saratoga
2: it's, it's thick with the badassery yeah for sure
1: now i want a ship that's the uss ticonderoga
2: oh that's a good one yeah i like is that there one.
0: one i i feel like they there may is have-
2: that like you'll notice the most a lot of the ships have names after battles from the Revolutionary War and Yorktown being the one where we won the Revolutionary War when we defeat the British and that's why but also um, Roddenberry was a was in the Navy so he had this tie to these ships with these names and I can't remember why he chose Yorktown and then switched to the Enterprise I mean the Enterprise was a it was a uh, aircraft carrier in World War II um, deep sea dive here while we're at it because I'm just gonna keep squeezing the sponge that is my brain of Star Trek. Uh, knowledge. Um in Star Trek four, when they are like, hey, you're you've been demoted to captain, um, but we're gonna give you a ship again. Um and they go to see the Enterprise A. The Enterprise A is actually a refit of the USS Yorktown. So it does come full circle that the Yorktown becomes the Enterprise twice.
0: BJ, there is a USS Ticonderoga in Star Trek. 24th Century Federation Starship. Um 2364 Commander is Captain Itzak Arat. It goes on and on. But there is one. So someone else had the same idea as you that that would be a kick-ass name for a starship. Nice.
2: Yeah. I was right. I was hoping that they would, like, start naming them after, like, really, like, deep-sea dive celebrities from, like, the 60s and 70s. Like, is like... As Roddenberry just, like, gives, out, gives shout-outs to his people, you know? Like... <laughs> Like the U, like I'm trying to, uh, the USS Brett Summers, um, like people that you would see on like Hollywood Squares or like uh, Match Game, like <laughs> it's the USS Betty White. Um,
0: that would be fun.
2: Captain of the USS Phyllis Diller. Oh. I, think, I
0: feel like it would lose credibility.
2: <laughs> everything. It would but kind would of like
0: start
1: to s- lose
2: everything.
0: <laughs> but lower decks could definitely do that and pull it off,
2: right? Wouldn't they? Would yeah, exactly. Like, but like really bad. Like, yeah, you know, um, Admiral Mike Lunsford, commanding officer of the USS Skeet Ulrich, just like bad actors that you could name. Like,
0: hey, we forgot to talk about Prodigy. Prodigy. I,
1: uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have time. I don't have time. <laughs> Ah, Oh, oh, Uh, I have derailed um.
0: us. And now, dear listeners, in real life, Mike Lunsford is editor-in-chief, podcaster, graphic artist, and writer at Great Geek Refuge. He's also hard at work in raising the next generation of nerds and faithfully posts his meals on Insta. William B.J. Robinson is a queer Black and Puerto Rican arts educator based in San Diego. As well as an actor, composer, and church choir director, BJ is also creator and host of Tough Talk, a platform that focuses on getting comfy with the uncomfortable through community conversations. He is a founding noisemaker of Loud Fridge Theatre Group, and he is host of KPBS Arts, a local PBS TV show about arts and culture across the U.S. He also wrote and is performing The Panda Musical Diaries, this March in the New Zealand Fringe Festival. For more info, just search at WillBJRob at tufftalk 2020 and or at Loud Fridge Theater Group on Facebook, Insta, TikTok, and YouTube. As for me, Mariah Beachboard, I'm a playwright and podcaster for GGR, and I'm raising a geeky family and keeping it real in Rocket City, Alabama. Hey, don't forget to check out my latest special presentation GGR podcast, Permission to Dream, an exploration of the Sandman comic and Netflix show featuring an exclusive interview with Vanessa Samunay, a.k.a. Kiora, who played Rose Walker. Dear listener, stay tuned for our next episodes and check out our Insta for exclusive content at Federation Conversations. You can also email us love mail, hate mail, junk mail at federationconversations at gmail.com. Also, drop by greatgeekrefuge.com to discover all the amazing happenings. We also have a very active Facebook group you can join called the Great Geek Refuge Group. And last of all, my friend, I pray you feel truly seen by those you love. Thank you for listening. Honey glazed, hickory smoked bacon, in Captain Robinson's ready room. Ready,
1: motherfucker. I'm gonna start (laughs) over.
2: (laughs) You were doing so good though. Uh, I got real carried away. Sorry about that. (laughs) Oh man. Are you gonna try? Hungry? Are you gonna try to do this in one take, Mariah? You can split it up.
1: Yeah.
0: No. Fuck that. I'm a theater geek. We're doing this. Yeah.
2: Goddamn pro. Look at that.
0: Man. The way you describe it, like
2: this, this was
1: delusion post oh, yeah. post bus, you know, where well, it was just like, all right, now I just have time to sit and think about this. It <laughs> started just writing.
2: It does. It's hard to, it's hard to hear um, without salivating. So I'm sure speaking of it makes it even harder. So
0: we're going to do this. Are you guys ready? Okay. All right. We're doing this. <clears throat> As for Admiral Mike Lunsford, he is now, a, a, I wrote auditioning. Sweet Jesus. He's auditioning captains' logs.
2: Auditing. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would add some emphasis to all of the captains' logs. Oh yes, yes, yes. That would be a whole
1: separate thing of you're just like reading captains' logs to find good scripts to turn into like one acts for for Academy.
2: <laughs> ooh ooh ooh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's
2: that since, might be a since, thing. Since Admiral Lunsford is a is a glass half full find-the-silver-lining-and-everything type of person, he's taking these captain's logs and turning them into a one-act competition for Starfleet Academy's drama club.
0: And I, my dear listeners...
2: That actually works. Listen, nerds. I like that.
0: (laughs) It is such a struggle today. (laughs) Oh, man.
1: The outtakes on this episode are going to be amazing. (laughs) <laughs> all of the outtakes will be another mini. So this is good. This is good. Oh, oh my
0: god! It's a
1: day. It's fine. It's a day, y'all. It's, it's so much day.
0: fun.
1: <laughs> when when delirium and and you know bacon come to mind, uh, all bets are off.